hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Mr. Stephen Alexander, why don't you say hello? Well, hello, Mr. Stephen Alexander. How <laughs> are you doing, Joe? Are you good today? I'm really well. Well, I'm here with you. I'm so I'm dandy. Um, yeah. Steve, how many of these have we done now? Uh, we have done Survival, The Daleks, and Dark Water, Death in Heaven. Although we did line up this current one we're going to do before we did Dark Water, Death in Heaven. So that is a total of 12 episodes. So we talk um, about this at the end of The Daleks, don't we? Yes, we did, yeah. Right. yeah. I can't remember in what context. We definitely talked about it because it's been on my mind for months. So you might think, you might think that um, seven episodes of you and me talking, people might have phoned out before the end. But I've just I've just said to you off mic that as taken as a whole, the Daleks is now my second most listened to. Oh my god, do you know what that means? The Keys of Marinus is number one, and the Daleks is number two. They're both Got season. Those yeah, they're both season one. Yeah. Oh man, maybe we should do Reign of Terror. Have, have you got anything else from season one lined up? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. What's a good one from season one to do? No one's chomping at the bits to do the sensorites. Oh man, could you talk for six episodes about the sensorites? I, I, I think you'd need about eight people on that commentary. I'd maybe just make loads of allusions to how this ties into Planet of the Ood somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we're not here to talk about season one or William Hartnell's state, are we? No, we are not. We are here to talk about maggots. 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 That's right. Maggots. Can I tell you a little story before we go in? Is it about maggots? It's about maggots, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, no, it's a far away. Well, so I did a Hyde commentary the other week, right? Um, you know Hyde from Series 7 and the new series. Yeah. Okay, and uh, at the end of that, right, two hideous mutants who have been uh, kept apart Basically, the whole monster story is, in fact, a love story. Yeah? Yep. And that's a very new series, isn't it? Yes. And I made the illusion that, it, you know, like, in the classic series, I wouldn't be doing that. They'd just kill all the bloody monsters off. And, um, you know, and I made the illusion that, you know, you couldn't have two maggots at the end of the Green Death falling in love. And like, it just wouldn't work in the classic series, would it? This um, bizarre romantic angle. Well... I don't know, because there is certainly a romantic aspect to the story we're about to watch, which is going to be... The Green Death. Of course. Are you suggesting course. that Stuart Bevan and Katie Manning are a pair of maggots? <laughs> oh, well, we'll come to that, because I'm sure there's uh, plenty of interesting angles to explore in their relationship. It, yeah, well, and there's a lot going on in this, isn't there? Like, there's... Oh, yeah. It's... It's um, a monster story. It's a love story. It's a, what Doctor and Companion separate story. Is it? It could be the absolute height of the Pertwee era. It might be just the pinnacle of Pertweeness. I, um, I, I think if the unit family is your Pertwee go to, this is the pinnacle. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. There's only one fella missing, Who's that? and that's uh, Roger Delgado. Uh, does not, yeah. does not, although, although he does need, well, 
We'll see. We'll get to that. Anyway, yes, it's brilliant. It's a well-loved fan favourite for very good reasons because it's absolutely sodding superb. And uh, I rewatched it recently and was no less entertained by it for having seen it a hundred times. It's fantastic. Did you pick this one? I can't remember. I remember. Someone said the Green Death. Oh, okay. Someone said, let's do the Green Death. And it was one of us. Well, Steve. <laughs> I've narrowed it down. Let's do the Green Death. Let's do the Green Death. Are you All ready? Right. Am I sharing a screen? Yes. Oh, no? What? No. Am I no, am I sharing my screen or are, are you watching your end? I'm watching my end. Right, okay. Well then would your you, own end. Would you do the honors of counting us in? Okie doke. Uh counting down in a five, four, three, two, one, go. Let's go, Joe. No, I still can't do it. John yeah. Perry had a particular cadence, didn't he? his voice yes it's um it's very hard to do an impression of john pertwee unless you're one of his sons uh they can do fantastic john pertwee impressions uh sean pertwee yeah oh my god did you ever see him with the with the wig on yeah on his instagram account yeah that's amazing when he's just doing a, a spot-on impression of his uh, father it's, it's it's joy to see is that stock footage of that mine uh it must be because oh but no did they have a helicopter for this one mm, i can't remember can't remember to be and fair I, I, there's, there's a, a high chance in a unit story a helicopter's going to feature at some point uh, there's a high chance that john scott martin's going to feature and there he is hey. um this first episode is superb it is like a new series episode because you've got all this rapid cutting You've got lots of things going on in lots of different scenes. It's got a ton of energy. It's it's really intriguing. Um, I always what? think. So, yep. Don't. Well, so I was going to say, whilst it's, it has the drive of like the environmental message, quite heavy in episode one, doesn't it? But it's also got time for Pertwee to go off to Metabolis Free for. Um, <laughs> that's what it's called now, by the way. Metabolis. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to keep saying that. Sorry, you were saying high energy. High energy, yes. And I, I like how in these opening scenes, it starts off, it's sort of like, it's, it's a bit of a, a normal kind of drama going on with, uh, you know, you've got trade disputes and people out of work. And then you've got a Doctor Who adventure going on in the studio, which is creeping up on it and saying, this is going to be a Doctor Who story. Look, we've got John Scott Martin. We've got Green Slime. We've got Panicking Death. It's, it's just superb. We've got crappy CSO and... Look it's at your face as you say all that. Look at your face. I'll tell you what, Steve, this is right up your street. The fellow's <laughs> bright green and dead. <laughs> he's still alive. He can still make it. He's, he's not well, though, is he? I, so, okay, so I do have a question for you then from the outset. Okay. Do you think Robert Sloman uh, and Barry Letts as um, a duo, do you think uh, they're well regarded as a writing pair? Or do you think they're a bit underrated? I, they, Robert Sloman seems to be one of the more forgotten writers of Doctor Who, and I wonder if it's just because he's got a similar name to Robert Holmes, and people don't just think about him. Because he turns up, uh, uh, he turns up for this story, and then he turns up again for Planet of the Spiders, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, is he is the demons as well? Is it demons? Yeah, and the time monster, yeah. and the time monster. Yeah, so it's a little bit up and down, but um. One thing I really love are the sort of parallels between this story and Planet of the Spiders and yeah. how there's a lot of resonances between the two stories. And I mean, you get some of the same actors and you get some um, other interesting bits and pieces. But the fact that the crystal appears in this story and yeah. then turns up 
in Planet of the Spiders, and and they're both sort of like farewell stories. It's, it's just really, it's it, really it's completely really pushing away from what Doctor Who was before, isn't it? In the sixties, mm. it was like an anthology show in the sixties, wasn't it? With very little impacting from one story to the next. Whereas yeah. here, well, they've built up a whole cast of characters. And there are consequences for for the Doctor having this continuing story on Earth, isn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they hurt him deeply this time. Oh, so whose side are you on here? We've got we've got the industrialist probably promising wealth. You know, he, he's well off. He's a manager. We've got the workers who just want jobs. And we've got the um, environmentalists who care about what they're doing to the world. Oh, no, Steve. Cheap fuel and plenty of it. No, I don't even drive. I don't drive. So I'm definitely on, on the side of Labour, personally. Exactly. Uh, one of the lines I always remember from this is, uh, protein's the thing for breakfast, uh, which the doctor says in a couple of minutes. There's Joe having an apple for breakfast. I don't know, how can you have an apple for breakfast? I don't know, but do not give me a line like protein is a thing for breakfast. All right, you know better than that on this thing now. Um, <laughs> this sequence here, okay. This is like, I think this is basically the, the zenith of their chemistry. This It's so funny and witty and like, uh, this is like a screwball comedy, the way this is played, with the two yeah. of them not listening to each other, but the, um, the scene gathering comic momentum within that. Yes, and she has such a good effect oh, on him yeah. as the Doctor over her sort of three years and changes him um, because... Like before she joined, the doctor wasn't like this at all, was he? He was a total git. He's basically um, unrecognizable from who he was now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And you, you, I like people say there's no character development in Doctor Who. Um, and but when it comes, it comes subtly like this. And the the, the way the um third doctor's character changes throughout the series is is it's really interesting to chart all the points where he changes. And how Joe softens him, and at this point they they just got that nice relationship, haven't they? I think I think season ten as a whole, these two are just on fire together. Carnival of Monsters, Frontier in Space, they have great scenes together. Um, but yeah, I... from the off here, obviously her independence, she's got she's off to do her own thing, and that mm. you get that sinking feeling in your gut because you know, as a Doctor Who fan. This is all the warning signs that the companion's off, you know? Yeah, yeah, she's growing up. But it also comes naturally out of her character as well. This is the inevitable leaving point for her because she does grow. And then eventually she outgrows the Doctor. Um, Do you think it's but nice... But not in a harsh way, because they're still laughing together. Do you think it's nice that, obviously, within this episode, they still lean into where she was in Terror of the Authors, i.e. blundering into scientific experiments and being a bit of a class, but yeah. alongside a, a newfound confidence, she's got smarts, she's got independence. Yeah. She, she's great and She's as always well. had that independent streak, but she's got so much more experience now she's yeah. a lot better at it i mean she's completely lost when later on when she goes to the whole wheel community but she's still got the strength and uh and that kind of like inner confidence that she doesn't necessarily have she's not trying too hard to impress people the way she is in terror of the autons i Do think you know that's what? the main difference you say the whole wheel community oh my god i love those scenes so much in the, the the domesticity is that the right word yeah, of those yeah. scenes um, and look at look at her adorable little bag with the little flowers on it. That's so cute. 
unless you arrest me and seize me and put me in a dungeon. Okay, but I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say one thing, and I know that you don't have to tell me off, all right? Okay, yep. But there's a few moments in in some of the commentaries, right, where Nick Courtney is a bit not I don't say pervy, but he's a bit close to the knuckle with Katie Manning. Okay. So her saying there about him flinging her in a dungeon. And one, he literally says to her, I could dominate you. And Katie Manning starts laughing it off and then goes a bit awkwardly. Let's change the subject, shall we? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. look at this. Oh, so I, I, this is the trouble with doing such good stories. It'd just be so easy to sit here and oh, just slap it all up. Keep, keep me on track then, because I will just be going, it. this is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah what cool i don't know there, yes there's a knowingness to the performances here like like mm. that in this story we are we are stepping out of actors in a in a playing character parts to seeing the relationships between the actors on screen i absolutely believe that yes yeah yeah they they are relaxing into their own personalities in a way aren't they which they which they do from time to time but here it's really I think everybody's just really being themselves, aren't they? Did you did you hear how petulant Poe was saying? He's like, I'm going to Metaphilius free. <laughs> All right, well, if you go then. <laughs> well, he's 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 got he's the doctor, so he's got to go off and do some Doctor Who shit, hasn't he? He can't stay on Earth. And oh, and again, that's naturally out of his character. He's always been, I don't want to stay on Earth, I don't want to be tied to one time and place. In the commentary for episode six on the DVD, Ross T. Davis and Katie Manning are on it right and yeah. he says this is basically the blueprint for new who and i think there is definitely an argument in that and the doctor just then said all of time and space i'm offering them to you that is the new who blueprint of the doctor enticing the companion into the tardis yeah I, in a way that's always the promise of doctor who the um the sort of like the the fantasy that you could just spirit you away and take you somewhere in time and space to have amazing adventures not in the eric's award era it weren't i can it, all <laughs> i can promise you is massacres and that's it <laughs> yes yes and how many massacres can you take before you finally leave tegan imagine that being the you know, the enticing speech <laughs> uh, an enormous body count i'm offering them to you <laughs> can you imagine if they ended um resurrection of the daleks with uh, peter davidson just looking off to tegan and saying fledgling flies <laughs> Ooh, you are bad, You're bad. <laughs> oh look at our apple going all brown she it's like behind i don't know they are just vaguely symbolic ah here we are in wales what do you think of the briggs car ah oh, the brigadier <laughs> is like we haven't seen him in this in this kind of civvies really have we we haven't no. seen his, his sort of home life Hang on, hang of... on. No, because he drove a car in terror of the autos and it weren't as nice as that sports car i'm telling you <laughs> Ah, I well, he's obviously had a pay rise, hasn't he? Uh, for dealing with all that shit. I'll tell you about my brigadier theories in a bit, but um, oh, I just great. want to talk about um, the cap the brigadier is wearing, um, which is that sort of stripy, yeah. tartany kind of flat cap, um, which me and my cousin always used to call granddad caps because uh -huh. they're what uh, his granddad used to wear. Um, and when we were about 11. Uh, me and my cousin decided it would be great fun to spend all summer going around wearing gran his granddad's granddad caps like that oh my and Bermuda shorts. Can I? Had, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I had a summer 
about 10 years ago, right, where I bought this granddad cap from a from a charity shop and I wore it the whole summer. Hey, I'm sure. Uh, did you wear it with Bermuda shorts? I did not. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> Missing a trick then. <laughs> I, oh my God. It's Metabelius uh, 3. Metabelius 3 at last. It's we been made it. for so long. We made it to Metabelius 3. And I, don't you love the fact that they've gone to the prop <laughs> cupboard and grabbed everything they could find to throw at them? <laughs> I like to think that Metabelius 3 is run by the goodies. Okay. And uh, they they're throwing all their comedy props in. He gets attacked by Kit and Kong and uh, the flying geese and all this kind of stuff. Oh, imagine um, if Kit and Kong had turned up. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh, okay. Back to the TARDIS. So there is a deliberate parallel here between her opening scenes in Terror of the Autons and her yeah. scenes here with Professor Jones, aren't there? And the idea yes. is that Professor Jones is a younger, hotter. Doctor, that's kind of like the idea, isn't it? Well, the the idea is that he's hotter, but I don't know. What what do you think? Is John Pertwee hotter than Cliff Jones? I think John Pertwee is incredibly hot. I'm gonna be <laughs> honest about that, but I think Cliff Jones is way hotter. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, he's, he's got youth on his side. Um, yeah, watch out for his mushrooms. Um, <laughs> but there's absolutely a chemistry between them because they were dating at the time. And I think that was, given that they're both actors, it was a savvy move to bring him in and have him play this part. Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, I, sorry, because I, I, sorry, did they start dating because they were cast in these roles or, or did they start uh, well, I, dating and then chosen for these roles? I think they were already dating. Yeah, and yeah, um, have you seen the trailer for the Blu-ray that they did, the two of them? Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yes. The well, and are that's, back. that's again, that comes back to Russell T. Davis giving all these characters a proper afterlife where they go and do fantastic things rather than um, the uh, sort of like thing in the 90s where uh, they all died and were miserable. Did you uh, watch the, the Sarah Avengers. Jane Adventures? I watched all the Sarah Jane Adventures. They're fantastic. Did you love Death of the Doctor? Do you yes. want to do the Death of the Doctor commentary as a double bill with this? I think we should do it, and, and we'll have eight episodes go out on the bounce. Isn't the Death of the Doctor on it as a special feature? Yes, it is. There yes. We there we go. I'm considering that an oral contract, okay? <laughs> oh my God, do you see the yeah. way, way he played with her hair in the most patronising way possible? Yeah, but he's so much younger than Pertwee, and he's got a slightly, you know, he's got a different energy to him. He's, I don't know, he does look a bit like Rod Stewart, doesn't he? Oh, he's very, gorgeous. that kind of 70s Sorry. kind of uh, heartthrob. I, like, like if I was to fancy a person in Doctor Who, it might be Professor Jones. He is very pretty. Um, I really like, I always say that um, Katie Manning in this story is like the Goldie Horn of Doctor Who. Because she's playing it, that kind of really fun, high-energy kind of scattiness. It's so appealing. Like, she's... It's, it, I would say it's a massive loss to the show when she goes. However, they managed to pull a massive coup in the next season. Yes. And they managed to uh, find someone who was even better. Well, now, that, see, that's, an, that's an interesting question. Because I've asked a lot of people that, uh, Sarah J. Smith or Joe Grant, and yeah. I've been surprised, actually, that it's probably about 50-50, the answers I've had back. Yeah, it's it's 50-50 in my head as well. I, I like, there's so much that's great about Joe Grant and so much that's afterwards great about Katie Manning, who is, um, if you ever meet her or go oh, to a convention yeah. or see her interview, she is 
such a delight. What such absolute treasure. Like what an ambassador for not only the show, but um, this entire era as well, you know? Yes, she is, isn't she? She's um, she, she's a real, and uh, I, I, I imagine like, so we've just had the pandemic. I just imagine what it must've been like for someone like Katie, who is an, an inveterate hugger and just loves meeting people and going out and is such an extrovert and how much harder it must be for someone like that than someone like me who's quite happy sitting at home reading a book. Oh dear, you better watch out when we meet then because I'm an inveterate hugger as well. Uh, <laughs> she said actually, so I saw her at a convention very recently, yeah, and she said there that the pandemic for her, it was just, you know, not, not just in terms of people dying, but in terms of like work drying up, in terms of not being able to be around people, that yeah, you're absolutely right. She struggled and, and freely said that in, in her panel. Oh, yeah. this fella here, um, Stevens. I think this is a very underrated performance because there's no point in this story where he overplays this role. And this is a villain role, you know? Oh, yeah. He's he's kind of one of those solid right down the line kind of characters. But you I, like you kind of want to like him as well, don't you, a bit? He's, there's he's there's a of... line of sympathy, isn't there? Like like that he's a victim. Yes, he's a victim of, uh, well, we'll see, won't we? Who could it possibly be who's running this evil organisation? Oh, my God, you're about to see the massive bird feet go over his head. Or oh, have I missed that already? <laughs> have I missed that? They're not as big as Pertwee's crow's feet. Oh! oh! <laughs> what a bitch, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. I'm not going to get on your bad side, I swear. <laughs> oh, my God! There they are! <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, and do you know what? The, the, the comic timing in a minute where he picks up the phone and goes, Hello? I'll speak to anyone. That's so funny. <laughs> oh. it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful line, and I wish I'd started this commentary by saying that. Never mind. Oh, um, yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> Never mind. We might have to go back in and pre-record. Um, <laughs> You're right. You know, yeah. this is a, this is a uh, superb episode one. There's there's yeah. a lot going on. There, there's substance and there's style to this. Yeah, I think because this bit also is brilliant because there, there's all the exposition here, and it's not just like two people standing in an office because you're getting the exposition twice and then making yeah. cuts between the two different people, and they can see it from the different perspectives. And the conversation continues as you cut between the two. And, and I. I think um, people rat on Barry Letts and Robert Sloman's scripting. That's yeah. very clever scripting to get a point across, to give two opposing points of view, and mm. to have a conversation take place all at the same time. Rats on their scripting. No, I, I well, go to the Doctor Who ratings guy now. The people, no, okay. no, don't be too critical because I review on that. I used to. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's there's a general feeling I think. Well, I think there's a there's a bit of an ill feeling towards the part we it goes in waves, doesn't it? This era. Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's um. Can I ask you then? So so the part we era as a whole. Where do you fall with it? Um, I think. Well, I love it. Obviously, it's bloody brilliant. I think it would be a lot better if uh, there were a couple of four passes instead of six passes. <laughs> Yeah. And that's about the size of it, really. Um, but then, but, but then, hang on. Can I can I challenge you on that? Yes, I was you, about to challenge myself. You did such a good job challenging me during Dark War. I'm going to come back at you now. Um, obviously, like this, this was never 
meant to be watched as a whole, wasn't it? None of these stories were. So, and and if you take them like an episode at a time, maybe do like an episode a night. Even those six part, even the mutants, is palatable if you well. Uh, <laughs> My main issue with the mutants and colony in space is not the length or what happens in them or the story. It's just literally the picture quality. The picture quality is yeah. horrible. It makes it a really bad watch. Um, I find so, yeah, that with so... the sea devils, you know. It's got this grainy look about it, this sort of ugly look about it that's a bit unpleasant to watch. But there's none of that here, is there? In this no, story. this is in nice condition, isn't it? Yeah, this, this one survived. Somebody decided this was a good one. Keep this in the archive. Oh, well, they did junk. Oh, that's right. They did junk some Pertwees, didn't they? Yeah. Well, they junked everything up to Robot. I think Robot's always start keeping everything. <laughs> and a spear spears, Rocks. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I ask you know. a question? What's that piece of equipment in the corridor? <laughs> well, oh, well, maybe this is. Oh no, here we go. He's going to do his telephone line now. Oh, wonderful! Should we listen to it? Hang on. I'll speak to anyone. <laughs> you see how his jacket's all torn as well. <laughs> yes, I think he got it repaired afterwards. Um, I think uh, they, aren't they all his jackets or something? I can't remember. Do you think that's a lovely payoff that he's been banging on about Metabolis Free all this time, and how it's you know the fabulous? Blue planet of the Action Galaxy, and then when he gets there, he's put through bloody hell. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think it's a wonderful counterpoint to this episode. It's um, and Doctor Who just going off and having a little silly adventure on his own without his companion. You know, maybe that's another six part that we're kind of missing on uh, Me to Be List Three. <laughs> How many different ways can we say it? Um, <laughs> Metty Bellis. Um, Metty Bellis. That that so that cave that he's in there a the minute ago that that, that blue yeah. cave is it the same one he's in when he faces up to the the great one? Uh, I think it's the one. I think it turns up again in Monster of Peladon. Um, the caves. I think there's the same. Oh well, it's very much the same cave set. Yeah. Cave set. The ones in Planet of the Spiders are a bit more distinctive. Um, oh no, but I meant like lo geographically. Is it supposed to be the same cave or? Is it a network oh. of caves? Like, you mean in in story terms? Yeah, are we preempting Planet of the Spiders here? This is where he's going to die. <laughs> I don't because um, it looks so different from how it does in Planet of the Spiders. It, it, the lighting's different. The the, the there's no CSO. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's an actual real sky, you know. So it's 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 not the same thing at all. It doesn't feel like the same place in any way. There's a sequence right between these two here, Stevens and the henchman. In, I think it's in episode two or three. Where they're sitting around smoking cigarettes and they're sitting on the desks together. I don't know what's going on between these two, but honestly. Uh, this is like, um, I was at Spearhead from Space, where you've got the um, highly homoerotic um, oh, relationship between business, homoerotic relationship between business people and uh, power games in offices. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, he just gets too close to the people he's giving orders to, because oh. I wouldn't do that in my work. Do you know, I, I will get, offer you a piece of advice right now. Never dip your wick in the company ink. I've never done <laughs> it, and I never will. Yeah, don't tell people off that they've got headphones on at work either. I mean, if people want to wear headphones, that's fine, even if they are big ones. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you now, right, some headphones these days are as dramatic as those. We may have taken a piss out of those in the 80s and 90s, but some of the yeah. headphones they wear now... 
Yeah, Stevens has got his Dr. Dre beats on, hasn't he? <laughs> Are we supposed to think he's listening to music? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's listening to something, isn't it? Ah. So, um, how do you feel about uh, the way the Welsh are portrayed in this story, or if they are portrayed at all? Can I confess something to you? This yeah. was my first exposure to the Welsh, so this informed my opinion of the Welsh. Mm, yeah, it's, um, well, I don't know. I mean, like, they're just people, they're just stock characters in a Doctor Who story, really. Um, <laughs> you're not going to get that much out of them. If they were English, they'd probably be as cliched English. But despite the fact that there is like uh they lean into like a few cliches in the dialogue they're yeah. re they're nice characters they're, they're portrayed as 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 nice friendly warm you know smart people well how can you object to that i don't know maybe, maybe that's the cliche maybe that's what they're all upset about here we don't want to be portrayed as nice i don't we're all bloody assholes that's how you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that's more of a london thing actually um, oh, it's Bessie. Okay, now, yeah. Miss Stephen Alexander, and I know you've got a Doctor Who uh, toy or two about your garage. Do you have a oh, Bessie? Yeah. Hey, he's oh! right there! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he is, Bessie! To oh, hand my at any given moment. Right, between episodes, that's going to be our publicity picture this time. <laughs> it's a good showing for Bessie this, uh, this episode, isn't it? The best thing that happens with Bessie in this is where it's like, Come on, come and get your little din-dins later on with, <laughs> with a dreadful CSO backdrop. Uh, I never noticed that until it was pointed out to me that um, it's had its engine enlarged and it's got a bigger snout in this episode than it has before. My God, um, for a second now, I thought you said you, you were going to say you'd never notice a CSO backdrop. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I think I, the CSO backdrop you noticed from the very start. What? <laughs> There's, I'll tell you what, there's nothing quite like a zoom in on Pertwee's face for a cliffhanger, is there? <laughs> it's only better if he's lying flat on his back and it goes right up his nose. Uh, wow, the nostril, yeah. the twin tunnels, he hated that. But what's interesting about that cliffhanger is it is kind of like a moment of false jeopardy at the end yeah. of what's actually been quite a casual...